The crash site would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we create, the Yuggera and Turrbal peoples. We also pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was and always will be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's land. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's so good to see you. How you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So you, we were just chatting before the podcast started. You're back in LA right now, mm-hmm. trying to sort of figure out the next sort of steps for your career and in, in a job market that's probably not as stable as we were hoping when we graduated college. Mm-hmm. How, how have you found that experience and how, how is your perspective um, on your own career changed through this, through this experience? Well, you know, it's, are you talking about through like COVID and specifically? Through COVID, through sort of once you finish college, you know, how, how have yeah. you sort of approached your career? So, you know, as soon as I graduated from college, uh, so I went to go, as I told you, I lived in France for a year. I was teaching English. I wanted to work on my French because that's, some, that's a skill that I wanted to bring to my acting career. I thought it would give me like an extra, an extra boost, uh, a skill that would give me that some, most actors don't have. Um, and then, so, you know, of course, COVID started hitting and my job contract ended. So I was moving to Los Angeles either way, moving back to Los Angeles. So I moved back to Los Angeles and of course there are no acting jobs. But before um, I, before, while I was in France, the summer actually before I, um, I moved to France to start working on screenplay, which we could talk about in detail later. But like on terms of my perspective of like the job market and stuff, like right now, you know, like I'm still trying to remain productive. You know, there are very few acting jobs right now. So in the meantime, I'm trying to write and hopefully something that I write will be put out there. You know, I'm trying to be productive either way. So hopefully if there aren't jobs for me right now and there may be jobs hard, there may be a lot of, uh, not that many jobs for many actors after all this. So hopefully like I'm trying to think maybe if there's something I can work on now and maybe there's a small percent chance that like I can put that out there. That something that I write will give me a job uh, after all this is over. And you know, if I'm not, if I'm not acting, I think it's important to stay creative either way through either, you know, reading, creating, writing, whatever, you know, whatever is uh, great to you. Um, but I, what I've been doing is a lot of screenwriting, which I had never done before. I never took a screenwriting class, playwriting class in college, nothing. Um, but what, but it has really, really like changed. It like has improved me as an actor so much. Like my perspective on, on like the, on the conception of thought, like just like as a writer, you see where that thought comes from. And then as an actor, I can, I have a deeper understanding of where those thoughts and those feelings come from. So, you know, I, like something that else that would like really motiv- motivated me to write is that, you know, I'm an Arab American actor. There aren't that many roles for me in the industry as I would like there to be. And, and a few, and those, many of those few roles that are offered to me are not very like uh, suitable ones, ones that I would like to play, such as the terrorist one or terrorist two in XYZ film. Because uh, I've, I've had someone message me before, like, are you interested in playing this role? And I said, no, like, I'm not, like he, like he said, they're gonna be like, I got a message on backstage once, this guy saying, you know, I guess he looked up Middle Eastern ages, blah, 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 18 or 40, male, and he came up on my profile. He sent me a message, like, hey, Nora, would you be interested in playing a terrorist in this project? They're gonna be like really good producers. And I said, no, because in my head, I didn't see anything redeeming about the role. 
I don't understand why producers would remember me from this role. Like it didn't seem any, there's nothing redeeming about it. And also I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to do that to my people. And it just, I, I know in bottom and first point, I wouldn't have fun and I wouldn't like it and I would hate it. I think that was the most important thing. I would feel ashamed putting on that costume or saying those lines or doing that scene. And that's something that I don't, I, like, I really don't want to do. So what motivated me is that, uh, like I heard um, Matt Damon talk about in an interview, like, you know, it's so hard for an actor to make it. Like the system is set up for you to fail. You audition like so many times. And that's what motivated him to write um, Goodwill Hunting with his friend Ben Affleck. And I thought that was so fascinating. Um, and I told myself, hmm, like what if there's a story maybe I could write that could put me out there? And then I started thinking, started thinking. And then like I heard something about, um, I heard something about one of my family members from my mom and I thought it was so fascinating. And I kept thinking about it. And I kept thinking about it for like the course of months, many months. And then after I graduated college, I told myself, look, the time is going to pass anyways. I'm going to go live in France. I don't know if I'll take acting classes or not, but the time is going to pass anyways. And in that time, I could come up with something. I could come up with a story that may or may not put me out there. So that's how like I found the motivation to find, to write my first screenplay, which I'm still writing. I'm still revising to this day, but that, that was what gave me the push, you know, because like it's, it's, you know, there, there aren't that many, like, um, I would say successful Arab actors in the industry. Like the first person I think of is like Remy Malik, but Remy Malik has such an extraordinary talent that I don't believe I possess. And he has something that so few actors like will ever have. And I'm just not going to bet that I have that. There's no reason to do that. So, but there are other ways, uh, to, you know, to succeed, you know, I don't have to be the Oscar nominated actor, but I could be a decent actor to get some work and I could write something that may put me out there and, you know, and you never know. And it, I think it's, it's a, like, it's really good to explore other paths as well. You know, I really enjoyed, I didn't realize how much fun I would enjoy, I would um, have doing the uh, writing, you know, at all. And um, I'm very thankful that I, like I had the courage to be, to begin it and to continue and to still do it. And um, I, I, I have confidence that's one of the things I write will get put out there. I mean, with these days, you know, like there's like Netflix, Hulu, HBO, there's cable, there's so many services out there and they constantly need content to be pushed out there. And you see how many things Netflix puts out there. And a lot, of the, a lot of the content they put out there is not good. But the thing is, they want to cater to all audiences. And they can because they can afford it, you know? So they're just pushing, you know, whatever and whatever and whatever out there. So I think I told myself, look, uh, I, I told myself, like, look, the time is going to pass anyways. Maybe, like, uh, I think the actor Sylvester Stallone, he wrote Rocky in like three days, I think, something like that, like a miracle story. I was like, look, I'm not going to write a story, a movie that long. What if I could take three years and make something really good, you know? And then um, the, hopefully, hopefully it'll be worth it, you know? Yeah, well, I think, I think there's so much that comes out of that conversation. I want to sort of like backtrack a little bit and capture a few yeah. things. I think... I think you, you mentioned that you feel as an actor, you've evolved from writing. And I think that is like such a critical point too, is because I think as artists, we're now at a point in history, we're now at an era of creation where you're right, there is so much going on, but we need to actually be more than just an actor. You know, you can't just, just sort of box yourself in and define, you know, be limited to one definition. I think you've got to be a multifaceted creator, an artist and someone who is willing to make work that they're passionate about. If there isn't a role for you, figure out a way to write that role, create that role, create your own opportunities because, you know, we're not all going to get picked up off the street, you know, and, no. and, and be an overnight, you know, star, you know, and, and, and for a lot of us, that's probably not what we want either, you know? And so, and so I think this idea that, that the best way to learn is through your craft is through your practice through actually going, okay, I've never written anything before. 
let's just try and write something that I would like to see made. Like write the film that you want to see made, the kind of film that you would want to be in and that you would want to go to the cinema and pay money to go see. And you can usually assume that there is going to be another group of people out there that would probably want to see the same film because that's just the nature of humanity is there are some themes that everyone is sort of interested in. And so I think, I think that kind of approach to your craft is, is, is really admirable and, and something that, you know, I, I was very inspired by when I sort of, you know, you were sending me versions of the script and I was giving some feedback and we were talking about this. Like I remember flashing back to beginning of 2019 and you, you would had, were just starting to write your, your screenplay mm-hmm. and you were telling me the idea. And I was like, I love this idea. It's great. Send me a script when you get it. And then you sent me a script and I was like, far out, no went away and did it, you know, like and, and in a couple of months, you know? And, and I think, I think it, it's such a, an empowering thing too, as you start to get that ball rolling, as you start to get momentum. And I think this is the hardest thing in this time during this COVID period is for a lot of people, they didn't, their momentum stopped suddenly as creatives. They were making stuff. They had projects on the fly. They had stuff coming up. They're like, awesome. I'm seeing the trajectory of my career. And then COVID was like, boom, all done. Everything you're working on, gone right? But the thing is, is I think we have a responsibility. We have agency as creatives to go, I'm going to actually make this momentum go myself. I'm going to turn the wheels slowly, but surely making sure that I'm getting better, that I'm evolving and that I'm playing the long-term game. You know, I'm playing the game of, if I keep working at this, by the time I'm 50, I'm going to be so much better than I am now. And I'm going to be one of the few people that stuck it out till they're 50. You know, because it's it's a game of endurance, really. You know, yeah, it's dude. a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely, dude. It's the long game because you know what? I just think of it as like after every audition, there are act, there's that one actor that's going to get it and all the other actors that don't. What's going to happen? I tell myself, okay, I'm among the actors that didn't get it. What am I going to do? You know, because I think there's only like two categories. The actors that give up and then the actors that keep going. And if you keep going, that pool of competition is gonna keep getting smaller and smaller while you keep getting better and better. So it is the long game. I mean, like, look at Christoph Waltz, man. He didn't make it into Hollywood until his 50s and he had been trying for so long. And then his breakout role in Glorious Bastards, and guess what? He got an Oscar for it. Why? Because he was good enough to make it even though he hadn't made it yet. And I think that's like the big misconception about like young actors. They think, oh, I got to make it. I got to make it. No, first you got to be good enough to get work. And that's, I, you know, that's, it, it's all about how do I get better and how do I get work? And that, that to me is like really important because I think every day, I don't think about my next acting job, really. I will mostly, I mostly think about like improving my technique polishing my technique how do i explore myself better as an artist getting to getting to know like the deep inside stuff about myself that other people don't want to know about themselves and that will help me as an artist as an actor improve my perspective on life you know understand people more empathetically and i think i think that's like the real that's the real work of an actor you know not about worrying about the next audition Yeah, well, I think that's such a good point too, is that life experience is so important. And I think it's very easy. And like, this is something I've I've fallen into so many times. It's like, okay, my career is like what I want to focus on and I'm just going to go so hard at my career. And so you're kind of just like banging your head against this wall being like, oh yeah, career, career, career. I'm a better (laughs) actor. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing the work, you know, like I'm grinding it out. I'm busy, you know, when the reality is sometimes you actually need to slow down, enjoy the experiences you're having and like stop and actually like observe the world around you, you know, and take a moment and observe yourself and go, oh, okay, I'm feeling a bunch of emotions here. What are these emotions? Let's break them down. Oh, these are now emotions that I've now addressed. So they're now in my repertoire as an actor, you know, because they're emotions I now have under, understand, you know, and or these are now experiences that I've gone and had that I can now draw back on. Now I know what it is like to be a character that would be in a similar position. I'm, I'm expanding the breadth of who I am as an individual, which is naturally going to inform my art and my creative practice. And I think a lot of the time, you know, it's like, 
we're told, you know, go, 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 just keep, you know, pushing, you got to chase it. And yes, there's times for that. But I think we also need the times where we slow down and we actually sit with ourselves. We sit with the world around us and we take the time to observe and actually go like, like, where is there a story? And, and, and it makes me think about to your film and also the TV pilot that you're working on. How did you come about the ideas that spurred the, the story that evolved from them? What was that process like for those two projects? So for the, for the film, so I'll give like a quick synopsis about my film before I dive a little bit into it. So the film begins, or before the film, I should say, is about uh, Rian, who's an American Moroccan. So he was adopted by his mother's cousin when he was about three and a half years old. Because in Morocco, this, is, um, this happens quite a bit. A family has too many kids and they're poor. And they may have to give a kid away to a relative and something like that. So he was given away to his mother's cousin and then he moved to the United States with his mother's cousin a few, uh, like a few months later. And the movie begins when he's 19 years old and his father in Morocco dies. He has not been back to Morocco since barely has any memory of them, just a few. And his adoptive mother says, it's time for you to go back. It's time for you to visit your family and your roots. And he's initially against this because he has no, he has no feelings towards them. And, but subconsciously, there is a feeling of resentment towards them because you know, they, they gave him up and he didn't understand why, the gravity of their decision. So he goes to Morocco and he, he, he comes into con- contact with their family, which forces him to confront the reality of they gave him, they gave him away and for what reasons. And also there's a sociological, there are sociological aspects of he's an American. He comes from a first world country and is going to Morocco, which is a third world country. What issues is he going to explore or confront uh, and face when he goes to this country that he's never been to. The only thing he has in common with it is the, the native tongue that he speaks. Other than that, he's a foreigner in his own, you know, motherland, which is what I thought was, um, it, which is what I thought would be an interesting story. And so there are themes of family and like um, themes of a family and like abandonment and um, the like third, third world issues that I discuss in the movie. And so what inspired me to write this movie was that a relative or ex-relative, I should say, one of my aunt's ex-husbands, he, lived, he grew up in Morocco and when he was 12 or 13, he was adopted by his mother's cousin, I guess because his family had too many kids. And so when he was 12, 13, he immigrated to France um, with his adoptive mother. And I, I just thought that was so fascinating because, you know, like growing up in the Western world, like in the United States, you never hear of something like that. A family giving up their child because they had too many. Like that's not, that's something unheard of. And I thought that was just so fascinating. So I was told that way months before. And I just kept thinking about it. I kept drawing upon it. Like, well, like what if this happened? What if this happened? Like I was creating stories out of it in my own head before I even wrote, opened the Google Doc and started writing. I just kept creating months and months scenarios out of it because I thought it was so fascinating and intrigued me. And I kept thinking of other films and projects that intrigued me as well. Like there was this one French movie that's called uh, Le Grand Voyage. And it's about um, a French son and his Moroccan father who are completely like the opposites. The son is Western and irreligious while the father is Muslim and from Morocco. And the movie is about their, their trip to Mecca. They have to drive to France all the way to Mecca. And you see their different perspectives, like East versus West, Islamic versus secular. Like you see this cultural like barriers and, and like heads hitting each other. And that's what I wanted to do. Like what if I put someone that came from this country, but who's really foreign to it? What things would I see clash? when I see him in this land, in this culture, in this language, in this religious state, like what are the things that are gonna happen? And so that's what motivated me because I thought it was so fascinating because that is something that I wanted to see, you know, because I don't, like uh, many of the people that read the script said, uh, said I've never seen a story like this before. Like this is, this is very unique. And that's what motivated me because like I'd never seen anything like it before and I wanna see something like this. You know, 
And um, that's why like I had a lot of fun with it because I wanted to, that is something I wanted to explore while writing. You know, I didn't, you know, these are issues that, you know, it's like when writing a film, you pose a lot of questions, but you don't, you pose your audience a lot of questions, but you, you don't know what the answers are particularly and neither do they, but it's about still breaking them down and trying to tackle them from all sorts of different perspectives and angles. Um, and then uh, you want to talk about my TV pilot? Yeah, yeah, and then the TV pilot, because I, like, I feel like that project was something that sort of has evolved out of this like immediate sort of like family relationship and has sort of like come from this direct inspiration of a lot of the films that you love to watch. And, and was deeply, you know, personal to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was quite, you know, it was a, it was a drama. It, 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 you know, from reading it, there's, it, it's very rich in, in its, its sort of character development in the sense of it, it being quite emotional. It's quite, quite a, a deep um, film. And then you've recently been working on this TV pilot, which is sort of more in the realm of comedy, which is kind of, you know, sort of like pushing the boundaries of, of comedy. It's set in, in, in the US. Um, how did that project come about? And what's your sort of, yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit about it. Okay, so so, um, so it's a TV pilot I'm co-writing with my dear friend Julian. And so a little synopsis before, it's about um, this guy named Keith. And he's in Los Angeles and he comes from an Italian mafia family set in modern day. Why are they in Los Angeles? I mean, you'll find out if it ever comes out. But it, he, 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 there's a sort of resentment he has for his family. Like he loves his family, but he doesn't want to participate in their criminal activities. He wants to find his own purpose, his own life, because he, he's inside, he's a soft guy and he doesn't want to, you know, participate in the kind of violent and mean things that they do. Immoral, I should say. It's very unethical. Um, and so what happens is, he falls into doing uh, pornography in the first episode. And he believes that maybe is calling. So he, and so this is something that he explores, but at the same time, while battling, you know, like while battling the obstacle, which is his family, which they use him and they leech onto him. And I like to think of it as like, there's like, he hangs out with his two cousins that are roughly the same age. So the main character is in his early mid twenties. And so his two cousins, you know, they're like very casual about the life that they that they're living in the fam in the mafia family, but Keith isn't. But they're his friends, and they're the two supporting characters that you see the most. Them and his uncle, which is like the head of the mafia. So you see him battling like all this chaos. His cousins that are reckless. His uncle, which leeches on onto him, and his friend Carlos, which he dives into this indie porn industry with. So you see all these things that are. Uh, that are just like shaking up his life and that he's trying to find like the simple rhythm that he wants, but he can't because there are just so many, like, like I said, it's just chaos surrounding him. And he has to find like his own road, like unbothered by everyone. And so how I came up with this or how we came up with this was I did. Um, so at the end of my senior year of college, I, was, uh, I participated in some theater scenes with some of the other students for their, di- for their directing projects. And we did a play, I can't remember the play's name. It's, ve- it's, it's not popular. Like, I don't think you can even find it if you Google it. But it's a, very, it's a very low key play. And I played a character named Keith. And so it, it, in terms of personality, he's not at all like the personality that we rewrote for our TV show or for our TV pilot, but he, he, he would, what he would do was film pornos in this play. Um, and he was very manipulative, but, but that's not the point. The point is he would film pornos and it, the scenarios were very, were very funny. The script was very funny. And I, this was something I discussed with Julian. Uh, Julian didn't see my performances because he was studying in New York at the time, but we, I kept, I told him about this character that I was doing, which I thought was hilarious. And this is, and then, so this was May 20, 2019. And me and him, you know, had been talking a while, like about making, we wanted to make our own projects together. We wanted to film some stuff. 
And this is a character that we kept talking about and talking about and talking about and developing and developing over the course of one year. So I did this character in May, 20, May 2019, but we didn't start writing it until April 2020, until I had come back from France, after I'd came back, come back from France. So I think it's, you know, uh, in terms of like inspiration, uh, for your next movie pilot or for your next movie or TV pilot. It's about really like, here's the seed of the idea and really like taking care of it and watering it and giving it inspiration and just keeping an open mind. You know, I don't think the ideas come when, you, when you're sitting on your laptop. I think they come when you just think about it. When you're on a walk, you think about it. Or before you go to bed, you close your eyes, you visualize or you talk about it with friends, you examine your own inspirations and, and the things that you watch and things that you do. And I, I think that's why like me and him, you know, we've gotten really good feedback so far on is because we just kept really like nurturing this idea for so long that we kept talking about it and we we're on a walk. We kept, it was during like COVID, uh, yeah, like a few months ago where men, not many people were socializing. So me and him would just walk around the block a lot at night. And we just kept talking. What if Keith did this? What if Keith did that? What if Keith came from this family? What if he didn't? What if he was alone? We just kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And once we felt like we had a solid premise, we we're like, dude, we need to write something. So we started brainstorming. We started, we started writing. We outlined the whole season, which took about probably – two and a half months. Um, but the most important thing is that we focused on what we were good at. Me and Julian, like the only writing experience I had before this TV pilot was the movie I had just spoken to you about. I had never taken a writing class in college, screenwriting class, playwriting class, nothing. I'd never taken a literature class in college. But you know, I had seen so many films. I'd seen so many TV shows. Um, so I just had a natural understanding of story and structure and, and characters, you know, being an actor as well. But, um, lost my train, I lost my train of thought. Uh, so. Well, you, you were talking, you were talking about sort of like the, the process of where these ideas came from and the fact that yeah. it was, you know, that, that it was a, a, sh a show that sort of, came out of just taking an idea a piece of inspiration which was from the show that you did and actually just letting that idea evolve and i think you actually bring up a really really good point there you know like like i think sometimes it's very easy to be like i need to come up with this amazing perfect idea and i'm not going to start writing i'm not going to start doing it until it is this perfect thing and it's got to be perfect and it's got to be you know it, like that short-term thing of like it's got to be the final draft right at the beginning but actually you actually need to give yourself the freedom and the ability to be like i'm gonna let this idea just mull in the back of my mind let it pop up when it wants to and just be open to it kind of evolving over some time until it gets to a point where you can go oh i know where to start writing now like, you know, I know what it is. Um, and, and I think that does take, it, it's a period of discovery. It's a period of research, exploration, conversation. And I think sometimes it's really easy to forget that that is, is just as important, if not more important than the sitting down writing, um, writing the script. Um, because I think that's sort of what everyone thinks is the main part, but it's really about how do you, open yourself up to ideas and let ideas expand through you. Absolutely. I think it's so important to, to, to pose the question and to let the idea just sit in the back of your head and your subconscious, let it just float around and float around. And I would just have epiphanies in like the most random moments, riding the bus or doing groceries, you know, it just at the most random moments, they would just hit me like that. And I think it's just, you can't force creativity. That's what I learned. You can't force yeah. it. You have to feed it. You have to take care of it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's a muscle, but, but it's also something you got to let, let, let it happen on its own a lot. Um, so that's, that's really what I learned from the writing process, you know, and um, also like, so in writing this TV pilot, like me and Julian basically used like, so this was comedy. And personally, as an actor, I never really was interested in comedy. Like if I could have 
like if I could choose a career who who's mostly resembles like what I would want in the future, it'd probably be some like Christian Bale, something only serious dramas. Like me personally, that's, that's the only thing I want to do dramas, like emotionally fulfilling stuff. But this was something that I had a lot of fun creating with Julian. This was something that I did on my, uh, on my own and with him. And I think when writing, you have to use your, your own skill, like your best skills. So like me and Julian, like amongst our friend group, we're like, we're the funniest ones, me and him. We were the ones that made always everyone. We're always the ones that made everyone laugh when we're hanging out. Always the wittiest, always the smartest, always the fastest with our jokes and, and raunchy. And that's what we incorporated in our TV pilot. Like it's really raunchy humor, but me and him are so good at it that, that that's what we incorporated because there's not that many people that can do it as well as we do. I believe, you know, not many of my friends can have um, are, are not funny or not funny in the same way, but we are. And we just, we would just come up with so many ridiculous scenarios because we knew whenever we thought, whenever we thought something was funny, our friends thought it was funny too. And so I think it's really like sticking to your guns while, while writing. What fascinates you? What do you think is funny? Because, you know, that's the only person you have to, that's the only person you can go off while writing. You know, first you have to dive into yourself, into your own opinions before you, you know, seed feedback from others. You know, you can't write for other people. You have to write for yourself first. Yeah, that's such, such a good point. And, and that's really a, a really important thing to flag too, is I think especially when we're, we're in the early stages of our career too, is to go like, like, who am I as a creative? What are my strengths? How do I lean into those strengths? You know, like, and, and not to just be like, how do I create something that's this commercial film that is going to get picked up, that's going to get sold. But like, how do I create something that is like a reflection of me, of where I'm at in my life right now? And maybe it's not going to be a reflection of where you're at in five, 10 years time. But for this period of time, write from your perspective, use your perspective as your strengths, because you are the only one that has that perspective that sees the world in the way that you see it. And there's something profound in that. There's something powerful. And, you know, sometimes you've got to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see kind of what sticks, you know, but the important thing is that you are continually writing, that you're continually practicing, you know, this, this workflow and this, this effort to, to figure it out. And, you know, whether this uh, TV show gets picked up or not, or it's the next one, or it kind of gives you a, jumping point to start a new project or or it picks up and, and flies like like it's it's about the process of of creating that is the most important at least at least at, you know like this stage in our careers as you're trying to figure stuff out because you're better off once again it's momentum you know it's that momentum of of trying stuff out and going oh this is my voice you know oh. this is where i'm where i'm resonating with right now these are my strengths and and this is kind of a humor that that i want to explore um, it does, it does make me think though, as you sort of look out towards the future, we're in an interesting time right now in terms of, there is a lot up in the air in terms of what is the future of the film industry? What is the future of the theater industry? How is, how are international collaborations going to work moving forward? What, what do you think are, are the most important things that you're taking into the next 10 years of your career? What, what do you think is your sort of like guiding light forward? And, and what do you think is most important for you? And what do you value most moving forward? You know, I mean, Hollywood is changing. Um, you know, it's becoming more liberal. It's, it's becoming more aware, you know, it, it realizes that there are so many more voices that we haven't been putting out there. You know, recently we've been, um, they've been releasing a lot of projects about like LGBTQ stories, trans stories, black stories, you know, people of color. And I it just, it, I think to me, I think it's great because it shows how many, once you realize, uh, like once you've been, once you explore these, um, like these, these voices, you realize how many better stories and how many more good stories there are. You know, and I think, I think that's, that's, um, that's what produces like the best, like the films, like, like 
how do these lives intersect in these ways in these neighborhoods in these colors you know why do we've never heard these people speak let's give them a voice what do they have to say and i think it's so interesting and it it really it like it teaches me it makes me a smarter human being like there's this my favorite french director his name is jacques odiard and he he says that when he does a film he takes the opportunity to explore other cultures and le learn things that he hasn't done before and um one of his favorite movies that he that he did one of my favorite movies that he did is called a prophet and he he did that movie um his, so the lead the lead star the lead character in that movie is an arab a 19 year old arab and why he chose that was because he felt like the arabs there are many arabs in france not many people know this that live outside of france but he believed that Arabs didn't ha get as much work as they deserved in French cinema. So he wanted to make a movie where there would be many f Arab roles and to give someone an, an opportunity to shine in this role that he created. And, and he did, you know, this, this actor like rose to, to critical acclaim once he completed that movie. Uh, in France and internationally, he's an internationally working actor. His name is Tar Rahim, and he's one of my favorite actors. And um, in one, another one of Jacques Odiar's um, films called Deepan, which uh, won Palme d'Or at Cannes Film Festival in, um, I think, 2015. But he, it's, it's mostly Sri Lankan um, actors and characters. And it takes place in France. But um, do you remember, so when me and you went to Rome with each other, we saw a lot of um, uh, street vendors, you know, selling toys and stuff like that, yeah. um, colorful toys um, to kids. And so I never, I never really like given them, like I, I'd never had that much empathy because I didn't know I was ignorant. I know, okay, they're ignorant. Uh, I'm, they're, Im they're immigrants. Uh, it can't be easy. But when I watched this movie, Deep Pound, and I saw this character struggling so much. And then I saw him on the street selling those same gadgets. I felt a moment of shame um, because that was a learning experience for me. Like, wow, like I never realized how hard the lives are for those people, like, like how hard it is for them. And that's why, like, I think that was like a huge learning experience in my life personally. And that's why I think it's a perfect, that's a perfect example of when film teaches you uh, so much, you know, I think it's as important as reading sometimes, you know, it could teach you so much about other people. And that's what it did for me in the scenario. Like it was just like, it was just, it was just a monumentous like learning experience for me. And now when I see those people on the street, I'm, I'm very, um, like, um, like I know I have a, I have an understanding of what they were going through because of this movie that I saw and to be more empathetic. Yeah, well, I think I think that it's such a poignant thing too because I think this is where cinema is starting to lean towards and like where like throughout history it sort of played this role, but I think sometimes in in the commercial sphere it gets lost. Is is like cinema's role? I think in a lot of senses is to uncover diverse realities. It is to actually open us up to different ways in which the world exists around us because we we are in a way always going to be ignorant of of something of certain perspectives of certain ways of living of ways of seeing and the the camera is a way to actually provide a new set of eyes a new way of seeing and the beautiful thing about cinema is that it's not just the camera that does that the actors the writers the entire creative team build a reality that shows us that puts up mirrors to our own perception of reality and like that is the beauty of cinema that is what makes cinema such a profound and important thing and what I'd also argue is it's the same reason why, why theatre is so important. You know, and I think theatre takes it to another level too. The beautiful thing about cinema is that it's accessible. Those stories can be accessible to everyone around the world and you can, you can traverse time and you can use different storytelling 
um, measures that, that are only accessible through, through the medium of film that allow those stories to come to life. The beautiful thing about something like theatre as well is that in the theatre, you actually get to see that reality right in front of you. You get to see the spit of those words. You know, you get to literally like, like feel the contact of, of their skin against each other. You get to see them, you know, hold each other in their arms and you, you are, are a witness to that. You were a third party to that experience in its immediacy. That intimacy is transcends, I think, a, a level of connection that isn't accessible in, in the cinema. But that is why we need art and that is why art is so important and why moving forward, we have to lean in to, to, the, to the diversity of stories that we're starting to see and understand that all of these stories are connected and are important for us to see and we have to make them, we, we have to give them a stage that isn't just, you know, in contrast or, or in competition with the, the blockbusters and the, you know, slapstick comedies and, and all of that, which is great. Like those films are great, you know, but, but we have to, you know, have an education around what cinema is and what cinema can be, you know, especially in this, this world of, of constant engagement of five second videos, 15 second videos, entertainment that is at the tip of our fingers, you know, we need to engage in a deeper sense with the art that's being created and with the process as well. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree. You know, everything's at our fingertips now. We should take advantage of how we can use that to become more intelligent, more culturally aware, uh, more empathetic. Um, yeah, I completely agree. You know, uh, as, as I've grown to like the art form more acting and writing, I've really like steered away from like those big boss blockbuster projects. Like, like I saw, like when I saw the the most recent Star Wars movie, like the ninth movie, I was, I'm not like, I gotta admit, like there were some parts where I was bored because I'm just really like, I'm, I'm hardly ever like now, like I'm not that attracted to like fighting or stuff like that. Like I love like, like, like juicy dialogue between two people that love or hate each other and will do anything they want to get what they to get what they do what anything they need to do to get what they want you know like i love watching movies that help me understand things about myself that i didn't know things that make it's things that stir my emotion whether it be anger or sadness and i'm like why do i feel this way and it's because oh, this triggered something that I didn't know about myself, something that goes deep into my past that, wow, I had no idea. Like I felt this way about this, this topic, this issue because of this event that happened to me in my childhood or in my life by this person, you know? And uh, like, I've definitely have fallen, like fallen in love with that side of cinema more, you know? And I've been watching like a lot of like, I watch more foreign films than I do Hollywood films right now because of those, because they're so low budget, I'm not going to see less of those stupid action sequences and things like that. I'm going to see more of the things that I like, you know? And yeah, that's why like, that's why like I want to be like an international actor because I want to be in, because you know, I speak Arabic and I speak French and I think that will allow me to be, that will allow me to participate in so many more stories, you know, stories that I wouldn't have been gotten the opportunity to be in unless I spoke those languages because English is not like, you know, Hollywood isn't everything, you know, they don't produce, they may be like emblematic for films, but they don't produce the best stories time to time. I mean, Parasite just won best, or best picture, man. That's not an American film. That's a Korean movie, dude. And I would so rather work for that director than um, the guy that directed like Transformers. You know, I'd rather be in a movie that maybe no one in America sees, but something that, you know, that touches me, that touches my heart. Instead of being something a blockbuster that everyone's going to see over here, like Transformers or Fast or Furious, but that's not going to give me any like emotional fulfillments. That's, I'm not, I'm not going to come out of that film with anything but just a big paycheck, which I don't care about, you know, 
Yeah, well, I, I, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely like an element of this that is taste, you know, that is, that is to do with like, like in individual tastes. And I think you mm -hmm. and I coming from backgrounds where we've done quite a lot of theater training, we've, we've learned a lot about like art history and stuff like that. So, so there is a natural sensitivity and a desire to like lean into these more independent, more sort of fringe um, films, um, which, which is, which is really, really cool. And, and not to discredit those blockbusters for the role that they do play in cinema and the role that they do play in society. But I think what, what it's about is creating a culture that, that appreciates the breadth of, of creative practice in cinema, in theatre, in all of those things. You know, it's the same in theatre of like Broadway is this pinnacle, but there is so much theatre that, in my opinion, I resonate more with that's, you know, made by a couple of mates in a, in a basement and that's staged to an audience of, you know, 15 people, but it's this intimate, visceral experience where you walk out changed rather than just being entertained. And, yeah. and so I think... I think, you know, what it's about is, is developing a culture that actually supports all forms of art. And the biggest issue we have right now, especially as we sort of look into the post-COVID where funding is going, we've really got to push for funding not to just go to these big commercial projects, but find a way to actually, you know, make it um, or, or stabilise the industry so that these fringe works, so that these experimental pieces, these these, you know, works of art that are going to challenge communities, that are going to bring communities together and create stuff that is, you know, might not be the most commercially viable, but that is going to be valuable to the culture and the community in which it encompasses. That's what's important. And like, for example, I was having a conversation the other night with a good friend of mine and we were talking about Australia's film industry. And there's all this talk that, you know, now Australia is going to be getting some big movies coming over here to shoot, you know, like I think some of the Avengers films were shot in Brisbane city, but, and so there's all this funding and the government subsidizing a bunch and, and, and everyone's like, this is great. But the issue is, is that these are Hollywood American films. They're going to be, that are being brought to Australia. They're being filmed here because it's cheaper to do. And <laughs> they're bringing um, all the American talent. So the Australian actors only get to fill in like the extras roles and some minor supporting characters. Like, like, yeah, it's great to have that work, but where is the actual funding for independent Australian artists who want to create work that is relevant to their local communities? You know, there is so much talent here that is not getting that platform. And that platform is being given to the companies that are already getting millions, <laughs> billions of dollars. It's like, what, like, that's what has to change. You know, and then to find a way that we can build platforms that educate and, and make those works accessible to the general population. Because I think there is also generally an awakening, an awareness for people wanting more intimate, more engaging, more community driven work as well. Um, where, where, are, where is the Australian streaming service that focuses primarily on Australian-made content, mm -hmm. you know, that isn't just buying rights to American content and making it accessible, but is actually using its financial background to, to fund purely Australian projects? And where is the government funding for that, you know? And, and, and it's a global thing, you know, it's, it's around the world. How do we get access to the films that are being made in France, that are being made in Morocco, that, you know, like, like those kind of things. Where is, where is that intercultural communication of artists? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, dude, like, I completely agree, you know, there, you know, it just, it just takes me back to, like, it's not that people don't like those films. It's just like they they need someone to push them to to like take to know they don't. They, it's not that they don't like it. It's that they don't know that it's there. Like yeah. like I just said, go back to Parasite. Everyone I talked to freaking love that movie. But if it wasn't at the Oscars, you think they would have watched them? I'd watched it. No, dude. They if they haven't heard of the movie, but it was just as good. They probably wouldn't have watched it. If it yep. just won, if it just won, like the, you know, the grand prize at Cannes, but it didn't get any Oscar nominations, they wouldn't have made that incentive to check out that film, you know. 
So it's, it's really hard to just like push because, you know, some people just aren't like passionate about, you know, literature or like film and theater as we are. So they don't have that incentive to take that extra step forward of, of like, oh, I want to watch a movie tonight, but I want it to be like an art house film. No, you know, like I totally understand that, you know, if you don't watch movies that often, you're probably going to watch uh, something more popular, something you've heard of, something uh, from a trusted source, as opposed to something uh, derived from your personal taste, because you may not be that familiar with it because you don't watch as many films as like or, or sometimes you know or sometimes you just want to watch an adam sandler movie and you just want to you know <laughs> sit back and have a laugh and not think too much you know like like they do put you know there's a valid position that they have mm-hmm. but yeah. but yes your your point is is yeah yeah you know it, yeah people you know people watch films and tvs for different reasons you know they could just work so hard from their nine to five and as soon as they get home they want to watch something that's brainless, you know, something that doesn't take that much thinking, something that's funny uh, or dumb or has action sequences. And they w- don't want to think too much because that's the reason why they watch films. And I respect it. And there's a reason why I watch films and read for different reasons, you know, and I'm not saying blockbuster films are, you know, more, uh, Im- more important than art house films. No, but I'm saying like, this is why, I'm catered to this genre, to these sorts of films. And um, I don't have anything against like big blockbuster films. Like I love the Marvel movies. Like I think the Marvel movies are actually really good movies. Why? Because they have really good plots. They have very great characters and great conflicts. And people say, oh, but it's just another superhero movie. So not all dramas are the same and not all superhero movies are the same. You know, there's different characters, different internal conflicts. And I love what Marvel has done with all of their actors and characters like Captain America and Iron Man and Thor. Like you see them change, you know, over the course of like this decade. And I think that's so unparalleled, you know, in film. And I think they deserve like, like the greatest applause ever for doing something like that. That wasn't, that was never done before. So yeah, I mean, to each their own is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, and I also think there's just, I think what it is is also just as consumers of content, we have to understand that like what we watch is actually, and, and this goes for all media, this goes for social media, this goes for everything, you know, like like what we watch like dictates in a, in a way like what gets made, you know, mm-hmm. is like that, the, you know, like it's actually good to go to the cinema sometimes, you know, when you're able to. And, and watch some independent movies and, and, and support those because your support of that is, is actually, you know, supporting the, the people that are making those movies. And, and, and I think what it is, is just shifting the culture ever so slightly so that there is more awareness. There is a bit more of a brand behind the fact that there are people who are dedicating their lives to making this art, you know, and that, you know, sometimes it's worth giving it a crack. And if you don't like it, that's it, you know, like we don't have to like everything. We don't all have to agree on the stuff, but creating a platform that, that, that also sort of like counter, you know, weighs these things up, you know, that brings some of these more independent films to the front of your browsing page rather than all the ones that are just the big hits Um, and and trying to push a cultural shift in that way. Is that possible? Is that financially viable? I don't know. I think, I think in a way it's probably, you know, two young artists who are very passionate about art for, for art's sake, um, dreaming, you know, a little bit. And, and, and there's an element of that. I totally understand that. But I also think as a culture, as a society, we are craving to be challenged, to, to, to be, you know, pushed with the art that we engage with. And I think now more than ever, we're seeing that we need art that unifies us. We need art that, that brings us together and shows different ways of seeing because we're in a world with, with a lot of conflict, with a lot of uh, problems that are going to need to be solved in the future. And I, I, I truly believe that art is one of the ways for us to explore those solutions, to explore new ways of seeing, new ways of living, new ways of coming together. You know, to, I, I'm not sure if, have you seen, have you seen two documentaries I've seen recently that I've, I've seen, I've been like, well, this is actually changing my perspective on the world around me. The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that? 
Dude, you know, I was thinking about that documentary earlier today. I did not see it, but I want to see it so badly. And like, I plan to watch it. I've heard really good things about it, but I plan to watch it really soon. Yeah, 100%. I think everyone, if you use social media, you've got to see it. Um, just because, just because it exposes how social media is designed to manipulate you. Like we are being manipulated, manipulated every day. And after watching that, I deleted Instagram. I was like, I actually, because I was like, I am not in control of my Instagram use. Instagram is because what I was noticing is after that, the, the whole sort of premise is the idea that, that the way they've designed these apps is that they will send you notifications based on this algorithm to get you to come back and keep engaging and keep clicking ads and keep, do, you know, like, like feeding into their money-making machines and, and their engagement yeah. machines. And I started to notice that I'd be off Instagram and, and I'd, I'd be doing my work and I'd come back and I've just got a random notification that someone I don't even know has uploaded a new photo you know and i'm like i'm like this is ridiculous and of course i'd swipe and be like who is that and then i'd open it and i'd be like i just got played i just got played by the algorithm you know like like i'm I'm actually being manipulated and i see now like that there is a system that is functioning there it is not it is not like this it it, it, the subconscious was made conscious you know and and it's designed to be habitual and so I think that's really, really interesting. I think there's a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done on what is the ethics of social media? How do we create an ethical social media system that, that actually is aware of the negative effects here? Because social media has played a massive role in my own mental health and the mental health of a lot of people I know around me. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it can be quite toxic. Um, the, other, the other documentary is, is David Attenborough's newest documentary. Um, with on Netflix, which is also heartbreaking, incredible. But like, have you seen it? Wait, can you repeat the title? Um, I, I think it's called uh, "This Is Our Planet." No, I have not seen it. Yeah, okay. Would would recommend. It's basically like this is what we've done to our planet since okay. he was born, right? Okay. And he kind of maps how you know deforestation destruction of wilderness has occurred and then what the future is going to look like if we don't do anything and and i think it shows that like we actually need sometimes that media we need films we need documentaries we need stories to show us what we're doing and how we exist in the world both in a macro and a micro scenario and and it's that that raising of consciousness is possible through things like cinema, through things like theatre. And we can't let something like COVID stop that. And we can't settle for five second videos on social media because they cannot replace it because the art, the process, the communities that come behind those things are so integral to who we are as human beings. And actually, I believe, are so integral to how we pave a better future moving forward within art and beyond art as human beings yeah man i like i agree like like it's 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 like you sometimes you can create such a powerful project but the issue is you know the issue is what change will come from come of it and how do i get how do i how can i get everyone to see this project i think that's the biggest issue how do i get everyone to see this project you know because as great as those documentaries may be, you know, you know, how many few million have probably have seen it, even though they're probably great. You know, like I saw this great movie that just broke my heart. It's called Capernaum. It's an Arabic movie. It came out, it came out the year Roma came out and it competed with it in best foreign language film. Mm -hmm. But that movie Oh my goodness. I, so I went to the, I went to an indie, indie theater here in Pasadena. I went to go see it because my mom told me it was amazing. And I was, Oh my God, I was bawling. That movie broke my heart because it's about, you know, like it's about a 12 year old Lebanese boy who's homeless for the most part. And it, in the movie is really about like street children, you know, in third world countries. And you see how hard he struggles in, in, this, in this film. And it just 
you like you, you this like a someone that's so young that has lived through so much you know so much in in the short amount of life that he's that he's lived and i was like wow if everyone in my head i was like if everyone saw this movie i think there would be a different world but that's the issue you know how do we push our projects forward you know how, how do we get the right people to see them i think that's the biggest issue you know um there was this there's there's this french director called matthew Kasovitz, and he directed the movie i told you about la n and he says i don't think movies he says he said something like i don't think movies can change reality so quickly it's over generations it's about the thoughts that we that that occur to us when watching that film and how we act based on the rest of our lives on that film and then those actions and those patterns get transmitted down to the next generation so it's true i mean i don't believe a lot of these projects have power overnight or over the course of the year while they're out but i think it can subconsciously have an effect on individuals and bigger groups of people. Yeah, well, I, I think that's exactly it. It's, it's, it's through empathy. It's, it's through planting of ideas. It's through the conversations that happen after a film. You know, it is through someone loving the film and it is through someone hating the film. You know, like it is, it is through spurring emotional response, a, a connectedness between people in a cinema, people who engage with it by themselves and, and the, the artwork itself. Like that is the beauty of art. And, you know, and I want to be sort of courteous of your time and I sort of feel like it's time as we sort of wrap this com conversation up. I think that is really the, the thesis of this entire conversation is we need to keep making art. We need to keep funding art that exists on the fringes that isn't seen as the most commercially viable. And we need to create systems of education and platforms to support that art so that people are aware that it exists and that you have agency as a consumer to engage with work that provokes you, that challenges you, that inspires you, and that encourages you to be a better person, to see the world in a slightly different way. And I think that is so important. And that's why I also acknowledge you as someone who I have, you know, we met, what, three years ago, three and a half years ago now. Um, to, I acknowledge you for going out and actually having the courage to start writing work that is going to tell stories that aren't being told. Someone who has the courage to then, you know, tell a story that, that has come from an idea and is, is willing to write it and try and pull it together and see if you can make your own work. Someone who has the courage to turn down a role because it doesn't fit your morality as an artist. That is important and that is the kind of art we need. And so my closing question here, this is something I'm kind of adding into the podcast now, is as a young artist, where you're sitting right now and as you look back on the work you've done thus far, you know, just at the beginning of, of, of your artistic career, what would you say are sort of three of the biggest lessons that you've learned and three of the biggest lessons that you, you're sort of taking forward as you move forward with your career? Oof. Three biggest, three biggest lessons ever since I decided to like pursue like yeah. acting or writing. Ooh. Yeah. I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned that you touched up on earlier is, you know, not only do the work, but live your life. And that feeds, you know, I, when I was taking um, a Meisner class two summers ago, uh, an acting class, uh, the teacher said, yes, work hard, but also, you know, keep doing the things that you want to do, play that instrument, learn that language, fall in love, whatever. Because uh, the great Sanford Meisner said, you must fill the well in which you draw from. And I think that's crucial, crucial, crucial as an artist, because all the emotions you put out have to be coming from somewhere. You know, if if you're if you want to be passionate about it in your work that passion has to be has to come from somewhere you know not the art the art is the result or the art is the product you know how do we how do we get 
what it took to make that. Um, second most important lesson, I think it's, I think it's not being afraid to explore, you know, you know, I didn't let the fact that I never wrote a script in my life hold me back from writing uh, my movie or my TV pilot, you know, and I, I, I can't be more thing, even if these projects that I write never get released, I'm so grateful for them because they've made me so much smarter as a human being and as an artist and as an actor, you know, even though I've not acted since um, in over a year, since the last film that I did, I'm, I feel like I've grown so much as an actor because of, you know, because of me exploring this other, this parallel uh, art form. And so I think to keep exploring, to keep exploring, you know, it, as an artist, you have to remain curious because that curiosity is going to help you create more more and more things and never run out and keep uh, feeding those feelings. Third, third most important lesson, I think is, hmm, this is a hard one. Third most important lesson. Uh, I think maybe it's just, oh, it's to have fun, man. I, it really, it really, really is to have fun. And that may, that almost may sound like a cliche, but it's not, you know, like I was so, as an actor, I was so like self-loathing because I would ask myself, oh man, that, if I didn't do that scene as good as like Jake Gyllenhaal would have done it, then, you know, it's not good enough. I don't like it. I don't like it. And all that negativity just, you know, it's, then it made it not fun. And all I cared about was results. You know, and you really need to learn how to fun because if you have fun, I think there's a natural current to improvement and to your goals. If you have fun, there's a natural wave of positive, inexplicable natural wave of positivity that pushes you closer to your goals. If you have fun and if you enjoy it and if you keep learning and if the process, if you enjoy the process, because if you enjoy the process and have fun, you're going to want to keep doing it. But if you're only concerned about the results, then you're going to hate the work and then you're going to want to, then you're going to want to less, want to do less of the work. So I think really having fun, enjoying when you sit down and write that screenplay, enjoying when you read that play, you enjoy doing the actor's work. You know, you sit down in your journal, you enjoy, you know, creating these memories or exploring these parts of you that you didn't before. It's fun to you. It's fulfilling. I think you have to keep looking for the most fulfilling parts. So you keep wanting to do it, that desire, feed your hunger, feed that desire. So I would say that's like the third one. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. I love it. I feel like that is a perfect spot to wrap up. Um, three truths that I resonate with. Um, yeah, I, I want to acknowledge you again. I appreciate you. I love you. You're a beautiful human being. And I can't wait till we can hang out again in the same space, not separated by large, vast amounts of ocean. Um, Nor, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dude, and everyone listening, pleasure. watch this space. This guy is going to do big things. Dude, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being a good friend. And I can't wait to see you again. And can't wait till we work on something when the day comes. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next week.